Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Well, today I'm going to start out with a question and invite your response. And I'm particularly interested in responses from listeners who started listening to the podcast. And my question is, how did you first find our podcast? And this is something I really would like to know as I'm trying to find ways to promote the podcast and to attract new listeners. I think that this podcast has got a very unique audience and it's got a very niche appeal and I feel like a lot of the podcast promotion services or methods have generally not been particularly successful as far as I can tell. But nevertheless, we do have a decent sized uh, audience. Now to be clear, I'm not trying to gain some absurd number of listeners. I don't want to be Joe Rogan or anything like that. But we've got got around 50,000 listeners on the podcast, as best we can tell, and I think in this world there are probably more than 50,000 people who would enjoy the podcast. So I'm asking for this information just for help to figure out what I should invest money and time in in order to grow the podcast. Now, uh, I do welcome, if you've been listening to us more than five years, you can certainly let me know. But that may be less useful just because the world's changed so much. I mean, if you tell me, oh, I, I came on your podcast, I found you on Podcast Alley. That's great. That site's been closed for about 11 years, though. So those who've started more, listening more recently will give me more ideas as to what's actually been working. So uh, if you do uh, want to let me know, please feel free to email me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. It will be truly appreciated. Now let's get into this week's uh, Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Serial. The original air date, May 14th and May 15th, 1956, and it's The Matter of the Medium Well Done, Episodes 1 and 2. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hi, Johnny. Pat McCracken at Universal Adjustment Bureau. Hiya, Patsy. What's in your mind? Had your fortune told lately? Nope, and I don't think I want to. The last time it came true. Oh, what was it? Well, this Madame Gaga went into a transom or whatever you call it. And... Oh, trance, boys, if you didn't know. Yeah, anyhow, she told me I was going to become an insurance investigator, and I've been stuck with it ever since. <laughs> sad, sad. But now, how'd you like to try your hand as a psychic investigator? Sure. What do I do? Uh, drop over, will you? I'm on my way. <laughs> Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. 
Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the matter of the medium. Well done. Expense account item one, 115. Taxi to the office of Pat McCracken at Universal. I hadn't seen Pat since he'd ruined my Southern California vacation by insisting I tie it in with the Jolly Roger matter in the Lamar case, where my expense account, for some uh, strange reason, came out to a right nice figure. I've even included the case of V.O. that I'd sent him for having handed me those investigations. So I didn't know whether he was going to be nice to me or to rub my nose in the dirt. As it turned out, he didn't know either. I don't quite know whether this is going to be another soft touch for that expense account of yours, or a completely crazy one, or a real rub. <laughs> Tommy Green seems to think the latter, though I don't see why particularly. Yeah, who's Tommy Green? Mid-Eastern life down in New York. Oh, but just bill me as usual. Sure, okay. Now, Tommy says he's run into this sort of thing before, but not on so big a scale. That's why he's worried about it. Pat, you still what? haven't told me what. Oh, <laughs> Now, one of his clients happens to be a sweet young thing named Carol Sharp, 26 or 7, beautiful, badly spoiled. Mm, love him that way. What? Uh, nothing. Go on, go on. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, she lives alone in a swank penthouse in the East 50s down there in New York. Playgirl. Tommy holds a $110,000 policy on her. Straight life. Beneficiary? Her family, mother, and a couple of kid brothers. No father? No. no. The others live over in Machunk, PA. That's where her father made the dough that keeps her in the penthouse and keeps the others living well in the old family manse. So, what's the problem? Somebody threatening her life? I don't know, Johnny. It depends on what you mean by threatening. She just requested Tommy to change beneficiaries. What's so unusual about that? Well, one of them is to be a man named Tony Ricardo for 30000 oh, oh, so she's fallen for the guy and is making the uh, nice gesture. Uh, maybe. We don't know yet. The other is a so-called medium... Madam Celia something. Uh Uh-oh, I've heard it before. Turn the family fortune over to me and I'll get in touch with dear departed Papa. That's what it looks like from here. She's being took. But how could it be any of our business? Last time Tommy was requested to change a beneficiary to a medium, his hale and hearty young client suddenly turned up dead. And they pinned it on the medium? Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently this sort of thing goes on quite a bit. So it has Tommy worried, so he asked for you. All right, just what's he want me to do? What do you want to do? Break out the old crystal ball, Pat, and we'll see. Expense account item two, transportation, Hartford to New York, and the offices of Mideastern, where Tommy Green turned out to be a mild-mannered, thoroughly likable, successful insurance broker. Come in, Mr. Dollar. Glad you could make it. I do, Mr. Green. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. I suppose Pat McCracken's told you what's on my mind. Only that you think one of your clients is being taken for the proverbial sleigh ride by some spiritualist. As you no doubt know, Mr. Dollar, spiritualism is a recognized, well-established religion. Sure, of course. However, as in any other, there are charlatans. And some of these mediums, as they call themselves, take literally millions of dollars every year from people by trickery, by producing weird manifestations that appear to be genuinely supernatural. Tommy, I know what you mean. My own mother took a beating from one of those phonies when I was just a kid. You know, promised messages from father after he died, and at 25 bucks a try. Wow. No wonder you're suspicious of them. And especially of one Madame Celia Morgana Morgana. Have you seen this, uh, madam? No, but I believe you'd better. Mm-hmm. Have you changed, what's her name, Carol Sharp's policy yet? No, but I'm afraid I can't stall her much longer. And you're afraid that once you do change it, Carol ain't going to be long for this world, huh? It's happened before, darling. Yeah. Well, I, I can't just barge in on this Madame Morgana Morgana, announce that I'm an insurance investigator, and then another... Hey, wait a minute. Uh, what's the name of this other beneficiary? Tony Ricardo. Yeah, who is he? All I know is what Carol's told me. Love affair? Yeah. 
He sounds like a playboy. They do a lot of nightclubbing together. Money? I don't know. Family? I don't know that either. But he's in for 30 of the 110,000 if anything happens to her. If we change the policy. How are you going to start? Well, if this Carol Sharp is all Pat McCracken says she is, this case could have a very pleasant beginning. I stuck around with Tommy Green long enough to listen to him verify what Pat had said about Carol's family, wealth, etc. Take a look at a snapshot of her and get her address. Item 3180, taxi to the Bell Towers at 614 East 52nd Street. A magnificent modern apartment hotel at the edge of the East River. Real swank. The place even had its own private docks with several well-kept cruisers tied up and even a small seaplane. Pat, I warn you, this expense account ain't going to be small. Yes, may I help you, sir? Yes, you can. I'd uh, like a small apartment for a few days. Are you alone, sir? Yes. Well, we still have a small five-room penthouse suite for $1,500 a month. Huh? With complete maid service, of course. Oh, of course. And on a minimum one-year lease, of course. Look, all I want is a bedroom, living room type of thing, and I may be here only a week or so. Oh, well, in that case, I'm afraid there's nothing we can do for you unless... Tell me, sir, do you have any recommendations from any of our tenants? Look, I'm an insurance investigator. Here, my card. Oh. And I want something as close as possible to Miss Carol Sharp's apartment. But I don't want to have to rob four Private nights. investigator, did you say? Yeah, that'll do. Oh, dear. Surely Miss Sharp can't be in any kind of... Well, I mean, think what it would mean to our reputation, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Dollar. Stop worrying, will you? She isn't in any kind of trouble yet. But for reasons that, uh, well, they don't particularly concern you, I need to be as close to her as I can. Ah, what a pleasant thought. And for the same reason, I don't want her to know what my business here is. Of course. Believe me, Mr. Dollar, I'm the very soul of discretion. Good. See that you stay that way. Now, have you got a room or two for me? Oh, let me see. Now, she's in penthouse A on floor 12. Hmm. There is a two-room on 10, very nice, at 325 a week. (laughs) With uh, complete service, of course. Okay, I'll take it. Very well. Just sign this card, please. And, uh, oh, dear, I'm afraid I must have a week in advance. Oh, oh, sure, sure. What's a measly 325 bucks? When the two bellboys who carried up my two bags at a buck apiece settled me in 1013, I must admit the place looked almost worth a ten. Tastefully furnished, spit and polished clean, and with a plate glass panorama view of the bustling East River. Yeah, I wish for a moment that I could afford this sort of lodging. First thing I did was telephone to an old pal. Detective Division, Sergeant Singer. Hey, look, Sarge. I need a rundown on a dirty crook. Who's speaking, please? He's going around acting like an insurance dick, but he's a crook. Oh, what's his name? Dollar, Johnny Dollar. And I tell you, that punk is as crooked as he can. Don't go any further. We know all about him. We got word here in New York that we'll put a stake out on him the minute we spot his hideout. That copper I can give you. (laughs) Good, Johnny. Just where you staying. (laughs) Hi, you old reprobate. I'm at the Towers. He's 52nd. The Towers? Expense account, huh? How'd you guess? I want to see you. In exactly 21 minutes, I'll punch the time clock and be over. Room 1013. Right. Oh, and uh, be sure it's with soda. Easy, boy. Give you any encouragement, you'll want to name the brand of scotch. Item 41220. One bottle of scotch and setups for two. Sure, Johnny. Knew her from when I was doing a nightclub beat. And she's lived in town for quite a while, huh? Yeah, a couple of years at least. How much do you know about her, Randy? Hmm, not much. Uh, she's loaded. Throws her money around like it's confetti. Yeah, I figured that when I found her staying here. Father left it to her. Hmm, coal miner, wasn't he? Owned a big colliery in Frankville, Pennsylvania, somewhere near Mockchunk. 
Well, it must have paid off good in the old days. Uh, but tell me, what's... A, uh, you want to give me a refill? Yeah, sure. Ever hear of a Madame Senior Morgana Morgana? Ha! I've chased that blousy old phony from one end of the island to the other. I look into the crystal ball, and I see into the past, the present, the future, and into your pocketbook. Yeah, and, man, she could. I think she's operating somewhere over on the Jersey side now. Oh, yeah. Thanks. But she's still operating. Operating with real class. Last time we picked her up and kicked her out. How do you mean? Nice apartment over here on the east side. Classy clientele. Mm. Hey, is uh, Carol Sharp hooked by her? Pure so. Just how does she work? Well, the usual way the phonies do. Goes into a trance, writhes around like a seasick rattlesnake, uh, then gives with the voices. Voices? You know, speaks with the tongues of the departed. Hey, look, where's the money angle in this Well, thing? she makes like the trances cause her great agony of body and mind. Starts with the pitch about doctor bills. And the more clients can afford, the more they pay. And they don't get wise? Yeah, she's smart. Works it like a serial story, you know. Continued next week? No, I don't know. Brief me. Well, at each seance, she tells them just enough to whet their appetite for more. Leads right up to the next hot bit of information. Has them hanging on every word. Then, bingo, the trance is over. Ah. Uh. However... If you come back next week when I recover my strength. <laughs> so they pay her off and they're back a week later to play games with her again. I don't know. It seems pretty obvious to me. Well, that's because you've never attended a seance run by an artist at it. Hey, why don't you? I think I will. I'll see what I can dig up for you. You mean there are still some going on around town? Some. <laughs> Dozens. Hundreds, probably. Kick them out of one place, they move to another. Unless you can tie a serious rap on them. Which reminds me. Tommy Green told yeah, me... Yeah, yeah. I handled that one myself. A Madame Gabor Chernarsky. Got a sweet old man to sign over his fortune and had him knocked off. Oh, that's a dirty racket. Yeah, religion, science, the professions, they all leave an open door to the racketeers, I guess. Okay, set up a seance for me, Randy. In the meantime, yeah? run me a make on Tony Ricardo, will you? Ricardo? Yeah, he's the other one Carol Sharp wants to name as a beneficiary. Besides the medium? Yeah, beneficiary of a whopping big life policy. Okay, good, Johnny. I'll call you later. When I took my time showering and changing clothes, I racked my brain trying to cook up a smooth way to meet Carol Sharp. Under no circumstances did I want her to suspect the reason behind my interest in her, at least not for the present. Requisite number one, then, meet the gal. I was just tying my time when the phone rang. Johnny Dollar. Uh, Randy, Johnny. Oh, hi, Rand. Set up a date with a medium? Yeah, for tonight, but that's not what I'm calling about. Johnny, I could write a book for you. Huh? On Tony Ricardo. And I don't think you'd like it. You seen him yet? No, but I will, as soon as I can locate him. Well, if he finds out what you're working on, he'll locate you. Fine. Yeah, just be sure you see him first. And that you're carrying a gun. Thanks, Randy. Johnny Dollar. Randy Singer at headquarters, Johnny. Oh, hi. More information on Tony Ricardo? Only what I told you before. Look out for him. Randy, that doesn't sound like anybody that a gal like Carol Sharp would be associated with. Who knows? For a cut of her money, most anybody would be willing to act like a nice old coot. Till he got his hands on it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But now I thought you were going to set up a seance for me. Or couldn't you find a crystal ball? I'm working on it. I'll call you. Yeah, do that. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location New York City. 
to the Universal Adjustment Bureau, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the matter of the medium. Well done. Three people to look up immediately. First, Carol Sharp, wealthy heiress who insisted on a funny change in the beneficiaries of a whopping big life insurance policy. Second, a questionable character named Tony Ricardo, who was scheduled to be one of those beneficiaries. Third, in the same category as Tony, one Madame Celia Morgana Morgana, self-styled psychic medium. Instead, I huddled with Tommy Green, the broker who handled Carol Sharp's policy. But you haven't even seen Carol yet? Nope. Johnny, I can't stall off changing the beneficiaries of her policy much longer. You've got to do something about this. Because you don't like mediums? This one is a fake. Or you don't like playboys with foreign names? Listen, Johnny, I'm afraid that once she names them in her policy, her body will suddenly turn up floating around somewhere in the East River. But what if I find they're okay? In spite of the opinion of Sergeant Singer of the NYPD. What did he say? Oh, not much. But he hinted that when I meet Ricardo, I'd better be carrying a gun. Well, don't you see? That's exactly what I'm driving at. As for the medium... Well, Tommy, you know as well as I do, there are a lot of perfectly legitimate, honest, spiritualist churches all Believe over the country. Believe me, Johnny, if this one ever saw the inside of a church, it'd be a miracle. She's a fraud. How do you know? Ever met her? I know how these phonies operate. Ever met her? No, no, I haven't. I haven't the least idea where to look for her. That's why I sent for you. But you haven't even seen Carol yet. Now, look. Tommy, I've taken a place in her apartment hotel, the Bell Towers. Oh, you expensive cowboys. And I'll meet her as soon as I can, in my own way. Meanwhile, I want you to do something for me. It'll help to get things moving, anything. Find out some more about the beneficiary she wants to cut off. Her mother and two brothers out in Marchunk, Pennsylvania. Find out how they're doing financially, among other things. How, Johnny? Hire another investigator? Take it that you don't want them to know about it. Well, uh, why don't you cook up some kind of a news item about Carol, the local girl in the big city, and phone it into the local newspaper editor. Those small-town papers love that sort of stuff, and the editor will probably talk his head off about the family if you encourage him a bit. Hmm. What kind of a news item? Oh, anything that's harmless. Sounds like something you'd be better at than I am. Tommy, I've got other things to do. Plenty. Armed with the snapshot of Carol, I took a cab to the Bell Towers. And I hoped that somehow, and without making it too corny or obvious, I could figure a way to get next to Carol Sharp. As it turned out, it was both corny and successful. You see, the automatic elevator in the Towers is a slow one. Will you push the button for 12, please? Oh, surely, miss. I'm only going to the... What, what's the matter? Huh? Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Here, I'll push no, it. No, no, I no. beg your pardon. I... Well, I, I'm sorry, but I... I can't believe this. Unless I'm psychic. Oh, now, look, mister. This city is too big and sophisticated for... Is something wrong with you? You did want to get off on the 10th floor, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, we're here. Floor 10, so... Mister, did somebody hypnotize you? Yes. Uh, no. Oh, oh, please, miss, excuse me. It's, it's... Well, it's just that I can't believe... Oh, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. Well, when I was a kid, I used to have a dream over and over again about a beautiful girl, and her name was Carol. What? The same dream over and over, and it... Well, it, it startled me just now because... Well, because you look just like she did. Oh, but it's all nonsense, and I know it, and I apologize. Carol, did you say? Yes, but it was just a dream, and probably I just imagined that you resemble her, and I'm terribly sorry. I, I, I know what this must look like to you. Yes. 
like a veridical dream. What? A truth dream. It's a psychic phenomenon. Oh, that. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't believe in that sort of stuff. Oh? Well, it just happens that there are thousands of cases on record and by people of uh, reputation and responsibility. Oh, sure, sure. But now, excuse me, and uh, again, I want to apologize for this, well, this embarrassing moment. Goodbye. I could see over my shoulder that she left the elevator door open until I'd gone into my suite across the hall. I sat down next to the broad window overlooking the East River, crossed my fingers, and waited. Ten minutes. Fifteen. Uh, hello? Mr. Dollar? Yes, who's that? This is Carol. What? Your dream girl? Hello? Oh, I get it. I made a fool of myself in the elevator, and now you're rubbing it in. No, I didn't mean it that way. I hope you don't think I'm being forward, but I'd like to talk with you. About your dream, I mean. <laughs> What's that mean? And I was afraid you thought I was trying to pull a fast one in the elevator. But, uh, how did you know who I am? I just asked the desk clerk who was in 1013. My name is Carol Sharp. Then it really is Carol. Well, that's amazing. That's why I want to talk to you. Well, there, uh, there's a nice cocktail lounge downstairs. In half an hour? In half an hour. Bye. Uh, Dollar, you are a fast one. Now, let me see. Huh? Johnny Dollar. Randy Singer. Yeah, I want to know. Well, what's the matter? After what I've been talking to, this is a come down. Now, what are you... T- oh, 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 you met Carol Sharp, Sure huh? did. Uh-huh. Oh, look, I've uh, set up the seance I promised you. Uh, still want it now that you've uh, met the girl? Sure. I want to find out what this stuff is all about, how those people operate and so on. Want to pick me up here at the towers? Uh, why don't you meet me here at headquarters, and you can look over the file on Tony Ricardo. Good idea. I'll be clear any time after six. Uh, better make it around seven. I've got a date for cocktails. Are you uh, in town on a case, or... With uh... Carol Sharp. <sighs> Lucky dog. See you later. To say that Carol looked like a vision when she swept into the cocktail lounge would have been a gross understatement. Her light blue cocktail gown was probably from Hattie Carnegie, but its lines were simple in the extreme, and it only served to accentuate the fresh, lithe figure and the natural beauty of the girl. Her blonde hair was drawn back tightly, and a silver-blooming stole was draped carelessly over her shoulder. If I'd put on an act when I stared at her in the elevator, believe me, this was no act now. I hope you don't think me too brazen for having called you the way I did. You have no idea how glad I am. Uh, will this be all right? Oh, fine. Thank you. I, uh, I was afraid after that episode in the elevator you might have thought I was just some lonely bachelor trying to find a date. <laughs> are you a bachelor? I confirmed. Well, you just haven't met the right girl. <laughs> well, there are times like this when I think perhaps the... Your order, sir? Uh, oh, sure, point killer. <laughs> Carol? Uh, sherry and bitters, please. Sherry and bitters and V.O. over ice. Thank you, sir. Be honest with me. Do I really look like the girl you used to dream about when you were a little boy? Or did you dream about a, a little girl your own age who just happened to bear some resemblance to me? Well, no. No, you see... That's very important. You see, if it really was a veridical dream... Well, you see, the phenomenon of precognition would be involved, too, so to speak. 
precognitive. Yes, you're now knowing me psychically before you could possibly know about me by any natural means. Uh, where have you lived most of your life? Oh, all over. Here in New York, Hartford, Connecticut. Eastern Pennsylvania? Oh, never, except for an occasional trip to Philadelphia. But that wasn't until I was grown up. Well, then you couldn't possibly have ever actually seen me because all my life I've lived in Pennsylvania and, well, in the coal mining district. Well, uh... So your dreams of me must have been due to some supernatural cause. Ah, uh, There's Carol. no other explanation. Well, is there? Carol, I... Carry in bitters for the lady and... Uh... Yeah, uh, thanks. I'll sign that. Saved by the bell, or rather by the waiter... I'm afraid I came awfully close to admitting to Carol that I'd trumped up the whole dream business just to meet her and talk with her. She was certainly happy on the subject of things psychic, and I'm afraid a natural sucker for anyone who wanted to capitalize on her gullibility. Beautiful, intelligent, well-educated, but, well, you'll see what I mean. And although it's a terrible strain on her, these deep trances, I mean, I've received messages through her, Johnny, from my father. Through this medium? Yes, Madame Morgana Morgana. And your father's dead? He died three years ago. Carol, are you sure about those messages? Oh, yes, Johnny, I'm sure. That's why I want you to go and see. See these things for yourself, will you? Will you go to her with me? <laughs> now, don't swing at me, but at this point, I think I'd go anywhere oh, with you. Johnny, I'm serious. I, I want to tell her about you anyway, and the veridical dreams. Well, all right. When? I'll call her tonight, and perhaps we can see her tomorrow night, all right? Yeah. Carol, I don't want to seem suspicious, but... Uh... Yes? Don't tell her anything about me, except that you're bringing me along. Oh, no. No, of course not. She wouldn't let me anyway. That's the way the fraudulent mediums work. Oh? There are frauds among them? Oh, plenty of them. You know, they get the information from some mutual friend and pretend they're getting it from a supernatural source. And she doesn't? I'm sure of it. So far, so good. I'd met Carol Sharp. I'd convinced her in a snide sort of way that I was intrigued with this psychic phenomena business. I was well on the way to meeting the medium who had sparked this whole case. And later tonight, thanks to Sergeant Randy Singer of the NYPD, I'd attend a seance calculated to be my first step in finding out how the phonies in the racket impressed their customers. There was just one more person to meet, Tony Ricardo, whom Carol wanted to name along with the medium as beneficiary of her big insurance policy. By the time Carol and I finished cocktails, I was sorry I'd made any plans for the evening. But I was already late for my meeting with Randy at headquarters. I took Carol back to her penthouse and then dropped into my own suite to pick up a top coat. Somebody had shoved a note under my door. Mr. Johnny Dollar, if you value your life, you'll stay away from Carol Sharp. It was unsigned. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, I find out a thing or two about a killer and about a medium not so well done. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone, who also wrote tonight's story. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for the next exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.
Welcome back. It's an odd contradiction that few radio showrunners were as concerned with a program's big picture continuity than Jack Johnstone, who also makes some odd mistakes when he's writing scripts with the little picture continuity details. At the end of episode one, when Randy calls Johnny, uh, he stated that he ar arranged the seance. And then at the start of episode two, when he calls him back, he says it's still to be arranged. Even without that continuity error, the second phone call is weird and unnatural. It goes something like this. Johnny Dollar, hi Johnny, it's Randy Singer. I'm just calling to reiterate what I told you previously without providing any additional information or context, like a normal person would. Bye. I mean, why not just repeat the first phone call verbatim? A lot of serialized programs would end with a telephone call and then would begin with the exact same phone call at the next episode. Now, sometimes, if you look into it closely, the two phone calls don't match. But it's at least less silly than calling back to reiterate what you already said. Now, that said, I think this is an interesting episode that explores a really big sort of fraud scheme. I also thought the way that Johnny introduced himself and ingratiated himself to Carol was really smooth. Now, this serial is noted for the inserted disclosure about every episode about legitimate spiritualists. It's an interesting statement that reflects a bit of a cultural shift. Uh, we've heard these sort of phony medium stories on many other series, and they're never really any attempt to offer that sort of context. On a similar note, there's an episode of Suspense from 1960 about an evil psychiatrist that includes a disclosure about the general benefits of psychiatric evaluation and analysis and is very careful not to cast aspersions on psychiatry as a profession. It reflects that sort of sensitivity, uh, but it would not uh, apply to all situations where you might think it's indicated. Now, I do have a special announcement. Now, I've made no secret of the fact that we are running out of new programs to do. And of course, by new programs, I mean stuff we haven't played already. So I'm pleased to announce that I did find a program that we could play. It is called Danger with Granger. It's a 1956 to 57 Private Eye series that was broadcast over Mutual. It ran for about six months, and most of the episodes appeared be in circulation. Now, I will say that the quality of the recordings is not the best. I'd put it as on par with what we got from I Hate Crime. I anticipate playing the series in season 16 on Mondays once we finish The Falcon, and it will get us into season 17. And I will also be on the lookout for higher quality versions of the shows. It may be tricky, but we'll do the best we can to give you the best quality we can out of those episodes. And speaking of that, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a couple of comments from YouTube. We start with Eileen, and this comment was in regards to an episode of Sam Spade, but it was about the uh, Yours Truly Johnny Dollar teaser at the end. 
Wow, that last bet from the upcoming Johnny Dollar is sharp. I remember the original one that was uploaded here. This sounds almost brand new. Well, thank you so much for the comment, Eileen. And I will say that one benefit of going through series multiple times is that we have gotten some upgraded audio quality. At this point, I think I'm on my either third or fourth different set of yours truly Johnny Dollar episodes. And particularly in that first set, there were some really rough recordings. And what we're playing now is much better quality. And so I'm glad to bring some higher quality episodes. Also have a comment regarding the high wall. A listener writes, I grew up watching Father Knows Best every morning at 8 a.m. on our local indie station in South Florida. Oddly enough, I don't think the radio version holds up very well. But I think his, and that refers to Robert Young's, best performance ever was in the TV movie Mercy or Murder playing Roswell Gilbert who was convicted of first-degree murder of killing his wife of over 50 years. We in Florida knew this story all too well, and the movie was exceptional. Well, thank you so much. Robert Young had such an amazing long career that really was defined by these sweet, wholesome roles in Father Knows Best and Marcus Welby. But he could play a villain, and each time I see it, it's a bit of a shock. And certainly he could play more morally ambiguous uh, sort of characters. He was a very solid actor. And I think that, for the most part, you do have a point about the radio version of Father Knows Best. It's one of those situations where the radio version, at least as initially conceived is completely different than the TV version. I've listened to a few episodes, and in those, Jim is just mean. He's like insulting and condescending, and just really unlikable. And that's not to say there's not an audience for it. It's kind of like a family sitcom version of The Bickersons, which is another show I don't really care for, but there are a lot of people who do. Now, I will say that there may have been a little bit of mellowing of Jim's character, because I did listen to a later episode where he was not nearly as bad and a lot kinder, although his daughter, well, that was another matter. But at any rate, you definitely have a point with the radio version of Father Knows Best. It's a very different series. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Charlie, Patreon supporter since July 2020, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Charlie. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.